the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. At sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, November 29th, here to break down the small uh, schedule here in the NBA three games. Uh, But we'll talk about some future markets, some bets that we do like as far as futures go. But joining me here on this Tuesday episode to help me break down the card and talk about some futures. First, you guys know him on the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, WNBA Gambling Podcast. The man does it all for the SGPN Networks. It's Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, how you feeling, my man? Yeah, doing pretty well. Looking forward to watching some soccer. Hopefully uh, they don't tie again 0-0, but uh, Team USA kind of needs a win today in order to advance. We'll see what happens. But as for basketball, pretty quiet card. Still should be fun. Looking forward to breaking it down. Yep, and also joining us, man, the newest member of the NBA Gambling Podcast. He's been crushing it with his picks, player props and all. It's Delonte Smith. Lonzo, how you doing, my man? Pretty good, man. Small slate, but uh, hopefully we can uh, make the viewers and ourselves a little bit of money going into the weekend. But doing well overall. Yeah, these uh, Tuesdays and sometimes the Thursday ones uh, turn out to be a little, uh, I guess, less games than usual than uh, that we usually get on the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, um, I guess, schedule for the NBA. But nonetheless, we'll break it all down here for you guys. Uh, we'll talk about some futures, and then, like I said, we'll get into the three-game schedule here tonight in the NBA. Um, we can start with some uh, things that we saw yesterday, guys. I don't know if you anything that kind of stuck out to you. Uh, Delonte, let me start with you. Last night, full game, uh, full schedule of games in the NBA. I know our picks did, they did all right. I know uh, Terrell had a great night yesterday, as usual. Uh, I hit the Bulls as my baby log. Had the Rockets on the spread. Uh, they kind of caved in that fourth quarter, and the over fell a little short in that Pacers and Lakers game. But um, anything that kind of stuck out to you last night, Delonte, as far as the NBA action went? And on that note, he's out of here. All right. Uh, Scott, why don't you uh, fill in for him? Yeah, you asked him the one question he wasn't prepared for, so we had to take a <laughs> second and study, uh, study the answers. But uh, for me, the takeaway, I feel like there was two. Uh, one, despite beating the Spurs twice over the weekend, uh, the Lakers are not actually back. Uh, so just keep that in mind. I believe they blew a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter there. Nice shot by Nemhart for the game winner. But the Lakers stink. It doesn't really matter. They're just not a very good team. However, my main underrated takeaway was that Jamal Murray looked really good. I believe yeah. Murray had 31 points, I think. He looked very comfortable throughout and is definitely a good sign because Jamal Murray's been struggling. We've seen a lot of players struggle after coming off of knee injuries in the past. Took quite a while to get going. He finally got going. We've seen it around the league, even in a smaller degree, Joe Harris, who's been pretty awful since he came back from the ACL injury. It takes time. But Jamal Murray had a great game. He had 30-plus points, shot very efficiently, and it was nice to see him look like his old self again. So that was my main 
underrated takeaway besides the fact that the Lakers are once again a laughing stock, and I'm not overreacting to them beating the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, look, I think three out of their last what four wins or four games they had uh, taken on the Spurs, and we already talked about it during the season or when we were previewing the season that San Antonio is just going to be one of those teams that are going to be tanking for uh, Victor Wembanyama. I think that's been already on full display. They they got a couple of wins early to maybe change our minds to think they were competitive, but no, uh, they're going to be in those sweepstakes for a top three pick uh, in the upcoming draft next year for, you know, guys like Scoot Henderson and Victor Wynn like I mentioned. Uh, you got Delonte back. Delonte, anything that stuck out to you last time, my man, in the NBA? Uh, I mean, it was a lot of scoring going on. I think, what, two teams, two or three teams score, like over 130. Yeah. Uh, Boston is still, like, a well-oiled machine. They are just dominating whoever gets in the way. I think they won by, like, 35 against Charlotte. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, the Lakers are just – the Lakers, they just <laughs> uh, just got to fade them. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. Uh, I told my friends, but I refuse to watch the Lakers. I can't watch another game until they revamp the roster. They got to make some changes. I just – I can't take watching that team. Mm-hmm. Um so not even I can't even give you a breakdown of how they looked last night, but pretty much just speaks for itself. The Lakers I, are, you know. Yeah, I, I do want to ask you though, since you are a Lakers fan, I've mentioned this hypothetical for about a year and a half. Munaf already knows it. I said they should have traded LeBron and Anthony Davis about a year and a half ago. That's kind of where I stood, and a lot of people initially gave me some flack. You can't trade LeBron. You can't do this. Why not? I mean, it right. seems like the only reason why they're holding on to him is so he can set the record, the scoring record, while wearing a Lakers jersey. That seems like that's really the only silver lining left with his overall time spent in L.A. I just don't know what you're accomplishing. You basically have no draft picks because you traded them all for Anthony Davis. Your team has no chance of winning. You're probably going to flip Westbrook at the deadline because mm-hmm. I know he's favored to win sixth man of the year, but that doesn't really help you. Your team's not in the playoff picture right now and you have a bunch of salary being divided up amongst two players, and your supporting cast stinks. So even though it sounds crazy to trade LeBron and to trade some of your superstars, I don't know what other move you have. Are you really just going to waste another year or two just waiting for LeBron to retire? You're wasting everybody's time. Yeah, I don't um, I don't disagree with you at all. Honestly, I'm going to be honest, I was probably in the minority. I didn't even want LeBron to come to L.A., to be honest, because I thought that the young talent that we had – Although, you know, they were in, they had spells. Of course, they weren't good, but mm-hmm. we can see that they developed into the players that they are. Now, the Lakers don't do a good job of player development, as we all can see. Um, but, like, I was opposed to getting LeBron anyway, and I'm definitely not uh, opposed to, like, getting rid of him right now because, I mean, what do we, ha- what do we have to show for it? I mean, we got that one, I guess, championship in the bubble. Uh, it still counts, but I mean, we all know, got a little asterisk beside it. But I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I would rather trade LeBron than AD. Although you, you're I likely think, to I get think more you for have AD. To trade both at this point. Yeah but. yeah, but I would. I mean, I would rather just keep AD. I guess for maybe you can get another player to come and want to play with AD. I don't know how that goes, but. I think I think more teams right now, if they're in win now mode, they would likely give up a lot more to get LeBron than AD. That's, my main that's just point, my opinion. yeah. My main point of asking is because of the fact that this isn't a small market team we're talking about. This isn't OKC trying to blow up their team with Westbrook and Durant was going to leave because they really can't refill any of the great players they lost. You're the Lakers. You're mm-hmm. one of the preferred destinations around the league. 
Like you're in the sweepstakes for every single big free agent every year, no matter what. Now, I know under Jeannie Buss and Polinka, there's been a lot of chaos lately behind the front office, but they're still one of the main attraction spots for free agents, which is why I feel like you have the luxury of trading LeBron and Ash or Anthony Davis for picks, because if you have absolutely nothing, you can tank for a year and then sign a bunch of free agents the year after, try to get some type of... I'm trying to think. It's not the same as LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh, but you get my point. You can get some type of alliance built with the Lakers, a bunch of free agents signing together. But I feel like it's a lot easier for the Lakers to rebuild than other teams because superstars actually want to play for you in the first place. Yeah. Um, my thing is, like, I don't know with – with the, as much success as like other star players have had in you know smaller markets, like if you look at like Giannis, uh, the success he's had in Milwaukee. I mean, everybody's not Giannis, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I think LA is maybe like taking a back burner to being a premier, a premier destination city for some of these players to want to go because they're still I mean, above the Knicks. So you yeah, got that. I mean, of course, of course. Everybody was telling me like how everybody loves LeBron. Everybody wants to play with LeBron. Well, I mean, nobody he had ample opportunity to get players to come. Nobody wanted to come to LA to play with him. I mean, so the Lakers are a mess right now, man. Like I really don't know what's like we're gonna be probably, you know, a 17, 18 win team in the next three or four years. <laughs> like, just, I, don't, like, I don't know. I don't know what what do you have to look forward to? I mean, seriously like yeah. he's not if, wrong. He's once hurt, they, once like, they trade everybody maybe mid season, they're gonna have to blow it up because they have no draft capital. Right. They traded no, all of it for Davis. So there's gonna right. be one year in there where they win like twenty games. Right. They're just hoping yeah. they have their own draft pick the year they actually lose like sixty something games. And doesn't their draft pick this year go to the Pelicans? That's my point. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah so. Like, so, so it's, I mean, so they have no incentive to like. They're not like losing on like to get a draft pick because I mean they don't have it. They're just not that good. If you take off the color, if you like switch the colors and you know like just put them on paper, nobody would like respect that team. If yeah. it's just because they're the Lakers and they have LeBron eighty, it's like nobody respects them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's been the same song all throughout the season that we kind of talked about the Lakers. They'll beat up on the teams that are worse than them. I guess a couple of teams that are worse than them. I think the uh, San Antonio Spurs were a prime example of that. But yeah, a lot again, a lot more questions and answers right now in Lakerland uh, for the team and the fans. But uh, guys, let's talk about some futures here. We're about 20 games in for each team so far this season. I know some of the markets have definitely shifted. Uh, when it comes to the futures market uh, for the NBA here, whether that's win totals, whether that's awards, um, whatever the case might be. Scott, let me start with you. I know you and I were having some conversations yesterday back and forth about uh, a particular market. I'll let you lead it off here, man. Any, any, what, what are some NBA future markets that you think that are still providing value and people uh, should get down on right now? Well, you said we talked about a back and forth. We actually just saw eye to eye entirely. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't really much of an actual banter going on. We kind of just agreed. Uh, I brought it up, but I mentioned it previously on this podcast uh, with Terrell. I think it was a couple weeks ago. I mentioned the Coach of the Year award, and I was looking at Boston's coach. And he was around 7-1, to 8-1 to one at the time. I believe the favorite was still Hardy because the Jazz were like eight games over 500, and they were the one seed in the West at the time. But – I think the Celtics head coach is still kind of an auto bet at this point. I know that he was around three to one. I found a couple plus three twenties. Yeah. The Celtics are the best team in the league and it's not even close. And you're looking yeah. at the teams that they beat. I know Charlotte stinks. I get it. 
But Jalen Brown didn't even play, and they still won by about 40, and Robert Williams hasn't played yet. And you're looking at the divi- you're looking at the conferences in the East and the West. There really aren't many teams with insanely great records right now, which is why the top and the bottom of the conference are separated by like two games on each side, mostly in the West. But you're looking at the East and you have Milwaukee and Boone Hoser never gets any credit anyway because he has Giannis and he has Holiday and whatever. They're a perennial 50-60 win team. You have Boston, who after the awful first half last year had one of the best second halves in the history of the sport. And then they lost in the finals, and you had a lot of offseason turmoil because mm-hmm. they switched coaches because of some type of personal issue, which you know is why the Nets ended up not hiring uh, you know him as a head coach because of the backlash and all that stuff going on. But the point is, you had a late substitution head coach, and you've been missing Robert Williams, who's one of the best defensive players in the league for the entire season. And you're like seventeen and four. You're on pace to win like sixty five games. Yeah. I, I just feel like you're looking around the league. There's really not many great, great teams that are going to even come close to Boston for best record. And apparently, when Tatum or Brown sit, it doesn't matter anyway because they're going to win the game by 20 no matter what. So it just seems yeah. like Boston is just in it, just in pure domination mode. They're crushing teams. They're the best team in the league by far. Last year for Coach of the Year, I took Monty. I was on him early. And the logic was this team will win 60-something games. They will be the one seed. And he had a narrative because you can argue Thibodeau robbed him the year before and he deserved the, the award. Narrative's important. I think the idea of having a late-minute substitution coach who might actually lead the team to even better performances than the original starting coach is a good enough narrative for me. There's no way plus 300 is going to stand. At some point this season, it will be a minus. Boston will be that good and that far ahead of everybody else for best record. He will be a minus favorite at some point, maybe around the All-Star break. Yeah. But I'm going with him now at around 3-1, to one, plus 320. I think right now he should be closer to like plus 125. I think that he's so far ahead of everyone else because Utah's falling off a cliff. Yeah. And if you even look around right now, I'm seeing a plus 250. So that number is already on the move down uh, below 3-1 to one odds. And I agree with you here, Scott. I know, you know we were talking about it yesterday, but – for what, yeah, I mean, you nailed everything there. There's not much more for me to add. Uh, the only thing I will add to that piece is, uh, as of today, Boston has the easiest schedule remaining in the entire NBA um, with 61 games still left to play here for the Boston Celtics. So keep that in mind. They still have three games against Milwaukee, okay, but they have a lot of easy opponents in that span. They still have two against the Pistons, three against the Magic, two against the Rockets, two against the Spurs, three against the Hornets, and two against the Lakers. So, I mean... And their entire division's hurt. Yeah, and their division's not very good right now either with all the injuries like you mentioned. So, I bet this yesterday when you and I were talking about it, went pretty heavy on it. So, hopefully we're celebrating that at the end of the season. Zalante, anything that's kind of stuck out to you as far as the futures markets, whether it's win totals, whether it's uh, awards markets... uh, what 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 are you thinking right now as we're kind of 20 to 21 games into the season here for most teams? Uh, honestly, you guys kind of uh, – and we didn't even talk about this before, but one of my favorite ones is um, Brogdon, sixth man of the year. Um, at, like the number right now is like all over the place. Like mm-hmm. I've seen like as low as like plus 650, plus 700, as high as like as 10 – I see a 10 to 1, I see 11 to 1, I see a 14 to 1. Uh, so it's all over the place. So if 
like you interested in that just make sure you shop around and get the best number but my lo- my logic was simply goes into what you guys were saying um they're the best team brogdon is coming off the bench he's 14 4 and 4 he's gonna get those minutes and even if in like blowouts i would like they're gonna blow people out mm-hmm. so he's still gonna be running with the twos and you know get I guess, you know, late points or rebounds or assists to boost those totals. And I think, like, he's efficient. He uh, he has been 50, 40, 90 before when he was in Indiana. Uh, I think he right now is somewhat on pace to do that. He might be, like, a couple of percentage points short from, uh, from like, field goal and three-point, but I think he's right on target. Um, and then with Robert Williams coming back, I mean, they're only going to get better. So they're going to be yeah. on the best – he's going to be on the best team – He's got. The, they're gonna have the best record. They're gonna. They got the best um, net rating. Like everything is just lights out for Boston. So I think that was one of my stronger plays. And another one that I had was um, Halliburton, eight to one to win Most Improved. Yeah. He's a uh, like he's averaging a double double. He's uh, twenty and eleven, uh, four rebounds. He's forty eight, thirty eight. And 85 as far as uh, shooting percentage wise, uh, three point, I mean, field goal, three point, and free throw. Uh, the only two people that were ahead of him, I think, were Christian Wood and I can't remember the other guy that was ahead of him. What do you um, mean for most improved? Most improved, SGA. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think, man, like, I might sit him at some point. If yeah. yeah. So that, that, that was my whole logic. Like, they're either going to sit him or, like, he's going to get traded. And you know maybe not be as impactful as he is with Oklahoma City, if, especially if he goes to a contender. So I think eight and one is a bargain for Hollyburton because I mean they're gonna they're one of the most surprising teams uh, in the NBA right now. He's gonna continue to play well. He's gonna have the ball in his hands like a lot of the times, and he's improved his three point shooting. He makes everybody better around him. Matherin is averaging nineteen off the bench, like so. If they don't trade like. If they don't trade Buddy Hield and Miles Turner, I think they got a shot to get into the playoffs, maybe as you know the play in at least. And uh, I think that's going eight to one. I think it's a bargain. I think it might should he probably should be I guess second. Like I would switch his odds with Christian Wood. Yeah, I think I was. We're, I think we were all really high on Halliburton coming into this year, and right now by far he's leading the league in assists at eleven point three. Um, the next guy on that list and leading the league in assists is Trey Young at 9.4. So he's almost clear of two assists per game uh, is Hallie Burton. And he's also putting up the uh, points per game as well, right? He's averaging 19.9, call it 20 points per game, um, 11.3 assists, like I mentioned. And Indiana has been one of the more surprising teams uh, this season, led by Hallie Burton, Ben Matherin, uh, Miles Turner, since he returned, has looked pretty good. So they have a squad there. Um, it's just they got to play a little bit better on defense. Of course, they're not going to do that when they have Rick Carlisle as their head coach, where he just wants to go out and just outscore the opponent by putting up 120 points per night and hoping that you limit the other team to 118 per night. So I think last night was a prime example of that, even though you know Andrew Nimhart hit that game-winning three-point shot for them. But, yeah, I'm holding Halliburton tickets as well. I agree with that. I know – the whole thing with SGA, and I think, Scott, you just mentioned this as well, that at some point they probably may sit him. Or, again, I think there might be a trade for uh, SGA uh, if a team comes knocking on the door. And, you know, if OKC wants to pile on some more picks here uh, yeah. with all the draft capital they already do have. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Halliburton there, Scott? 
I mean, we talked about it during the offseason. I know that he was one of our picks in general to win most improved because we thought that he was going to have a great year. Mm-hmm. He had we thought the team would be a lot worse. Let's start there. I didn't think yeah. they'd be this, you know, far over five hundred any point during the season. But you're looking at Halliburton. He has complete control of the offense, which we knew going in. Uh Sabonis got traded last year. They got rid of Brogdon, who's a main ball handler. And it just seemed like Halliburton was getting the keys to the to the offense. And we figured that his stat line would be huge because they play with a lot of pace. And we thought that there would be a lot of possessions overall. There has been. And his stats have been great. The shocking part's been the few number of turnovers. I mean, his assist yeah. to turnover differential is absolutely crazy, which has been really the most impressive part of his game so far this season. The scoring's also taken a, a big boost, which... I thought it would improve. I didn't think he'd shoot this well from the outside, but he's been yeah. very, very good. And I think if you're asking me right now, Shea should get the – then again, I don't know what most improved even means anymore because Ja <laughs> ended up getting does. an award last year, and he was the second pick in the draft. So yeah. I don't even know what the award means anymore. Um, but, yeah, I, I would personally vote for Halliburton if I had a vote. Uh, I think that as the season progresses, Indiana's going to let Halliburton do his thing. He'll put up massive stat lines. Shout out to Bull Bull, though. Respect. Yeah. I'm yeah, not he's, saying he's going to win the award, but I feel like based on the history of what the award represents, Bull Bull should be a finalist. So shout out to him. I want to see what his odds are right now. He's at thirty to one right now. Uh, I, I would take I would take a flyer on, on thirty to one. I would. I, I think I would. Orlando's too bad that nobody cares. I think yeah. that's the main issue. Yeah. But if, if that's the, I mean, that is the case. Um, he will be getting like a lot, a lot more opportunity to showcase it, especially with like Orlando's, like every day, every day they play, the injury report is just so long with guys who are just like questionable, probable out. Like he's probably going to get a lot of volume. Um, I mean, I don't just you know a couple couple dollars on thirty to one. Not, yeah, Bulbul's also a social media guy because every time right. he does something, you see Bleacher Report and all these other right. publications right. posting everything he does because he's a unicorn. And that's why a lot of people, I mean, Halliburton is doing his own thing because he's just so fantastic in every single aspect. But you can argue that his play style might be a little bit boring at times, which mm. I don't think is going to really impact anything. But if you want to go with the social media uh, short attention span argument, then you kind of wish they'd be giving a, a Halliburton a bit more love on social media. Bobo gets all of it. Yeah. And I understand the argument, you know, he had a couple injuries, like you haven't seen anything like him before. But if you want to make a case that they're going to have 45 highlights from Ball Ball posted every game on social media, maybe that can sway somebody or two. Maybe. Including him getting dunked on by the whole Milwaukee Bucks team. That doesn't help (laughs) his case, though. We're just going (laughs) to, that game was like stricken from the record, you know? Right. (laughs) One thing I want to ask you guys about before you you go on. um, Yeah. Sixth man of the year for, uh, I, I know, Scott, you brought up, um, Russell Westbrook and I X'd him out honestly because I thought that like the Lakers are gonna trade him at some point. I mean it's just a matter of like when. So he's a, he was the shortest shot, and then I think Jordan Poole was the other. And it's I mean it's hard for people to Poole's been terrible. I mean yeah right, and it's hard for people to you know repeat as six man of the year. Um, but another person I was looking at was Ben Matherin. Like he's six fifty. I seen him at plus six fifty. And I'm not sure has a rookie ever won six man of the year. I'm not. Sure. I, I was looking at I some it. stuff, but I, I hadn't. I, I didn't see anything. I'm assuming most rookies, if they were good enough, they would just be starting at that point. So right. No. Right. So I think it's some value on uh, Matherin uh, to win. Now, six fifty is just like a few number. I just looked at a few books like before we went on. Mm-hmm. So that's that might not be the best number, but um, I'll, I'll definitely be taking a stab at that simply because I mean it's not many other candidates other than 
you know, those few guys. Yeah, and Christian Wood started off the season hot. He kind of fell off a bit, so yeah. he hasn't really been that involved. But right. I think Matherin, the way that I'll, I'll put I'll put it this way, I think it's basically impossible for a rookie to win several awards in the same season. We saw Giannis win MVP and defensive player. That's relatively rare. Usually the voters try to spread the love. So yeah. I feel like your argument would be Matherin should have a great chance of winning sixth man if – you end up seeing Boncaro win Rookie of the Year. I don't think that they'll give Matherin both, but I think yeah. that if if they give Boncaro Rookie of the Year, then I think Matherin actually has a great chance to win the award. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at Rookie of the Year right now. Boncaro is at minus four twenty-five. It was minus a thousand, so yeah. he really cut into the deficit. Yeah, and, and he missed a couple games there as well. Yeah. So I, you know, that had something to do with it as well, but. Yeah, I think there's a valid argument there also. But, again, if if they do end up trading Buddy Heald. He might start. He might, yeah. that's a, But then yeah, you start yeah. Chris Duarte, or is it going to be Ben Mather and that's going to be coming off the bench? I probably think Duarte would be the starter there. But, again, yeah, I mean, look, I would take a fire on him at sixth man of the year. Um, I'm trying to remember, what's the requirement, though? He has to come off the bench for at least half of the season. So it's like the 41-game threshold, I think. But, I, I'm not yeah. sure, but you remember – uh, when Tyler Hero won, like he was starting like the whole the the entire second half of the season for Miami. So like I don't know yeah. if they even care. I mean, at that point, I don't know if you even care. if he's just that good. Like there, there's a specific number of games you have to not start. I'm just not sure what the exact number is. I wanted to say it was 41 because that would just split that would just split the season in half. Yeah. But that. at some point, it's kind of like service time in baseball. Once you miss a certain amount of games, you can just get called up and it doesn't matter. You can just start every game after that. It's kind of the same idea here for the award. There's a certain number. If you're under that number, then you can start as many games down the stretch. It doesn't matter. So as long as Matherin comes off the bench for probably the next month or two, you should be fine. Yeah, it just okay, says so, that. Oh, go, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. So, no, go ahead. Uh, I was looking it up, and it says, to qualify for the sixth man of the year award, a player needs to have played off the bench in more games than he did as a starter. Okay, so I said 41, assuming he yeah. plays every game. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um. So, for my uh, future bet that I was looking at here, and I was I always look at, especially Western Conference, where there's been so much parity, um, I think I just need to double down on this team, and it's and I'm still getting this number at plus money for them to make the playoffs. The Sacramento Kings at plus 135 to make the playoffs here still. I mean, look, I know they dropped the game last night against a better opponent, but they look good, though. Watch. They did look good. Again, they just got to step it up on the defensive uh, side of the basketball a little bit more than they have been. But right now, they are the number seven C. They would be in that play-in tournament bracket. They're sitting at 10 and 9, but right now, 1 to 10, in the Western Conference, we talked about these yesterday, is that they're separated by four and a half games. Um, and, you know, we're expecting some teams to regress a little bit, some teams to get better. I know now Utah's all the way down to number nine, where they were at number one. We don't know the extent of the injury to Carl Anthony Towns. He left the game yesterday uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But the Sacramento Kings team, man, they're they're playing well. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox looks good. Malik Munn coming off the bench for them. Sabonis, that trade for Halliburton and Sabonis, has been beneficial for both teams. Um, and just the pure depth around those guys, I think that this team could sneak into a six CD, or even if they're in the play-in tournament, I think they could, you know, beat the teams that may qualify for that play-in tournament. Uh Golden State, we expect them to be in the top five, top four by the time the season ends. 
Um, you know, Dallas is another team that may sneak into the top six um, as the season kind of progresses here. I don't, I don't buy that, but fair enough. Yeah, but I yeah. So that the one thing that the one team that kind of stuck out to me then is the Sacramento Kings uh, that can either get in as a sixth seed or just be in that play in tournament and and you know win uh, win that play in tournament and get in as a seven or eight seed. So at plus one thirty-five, I still like that number on the Sacramento Kings. You guys have any thoughts on that, Delante? You're on mute. You're, I think you're on mute. I think, or it doesn't say yeah. you're on mute, but maybe yeah. your mic got disconnected. Yeah, yeah I got it. Okay. Uh, my bad. I was um, I was going to look at that. I thought it was a look, maybe a little bit short. Is that for like even if they get into the play-in, or do they have to make? The they play-in? have to win the play-in. They yeah, have they to have be to win the, in the final eight teams in the actual bracket. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought it should maybe have been maybe like. You know, a little bit higher for me to take a look at it, but I did play some Mike Brown Coach of the Year. Just took a stab. I mean, like because if if they get in, like feel good story. Uh, he's been around. Um, I mean, the King. When's the last time the Kings don't they have the longest playoff drought in the yeah. NBA? Yeah. So like he's. So. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of the signs point to him um, being Coach of the Year. So I, instead of uh, taking your route, which I don't disagree with at all. Um, I took the route of taking uh, Mike Brown as his coach of the year. What are the odds on that? Um, I got it at uh, probably like somewhere in the twenties or thirties. I think twenty-five to one. Okay. Yeah, he's currently thirteen to one right now. So odds are definitely. Yeah, I played him um, a little bit earlier in the uh, in the season, like right around right around the time we talked uh, about. uh, I think we were talking about the Kings. Yeah. Uh, last time the Kings made the playoffs was in 2006 when Jesus I graduated Christ. high school. So <laughs> uh, I think we had a question in the uh, chat here. It says, I know you guys don't uh, like Russ as six man of the year, but do you think he will meet the game requirement before being traded? And with that pencil him in? Well, he should never start no matter what team trades for him. I think, I think whatever team's trading for him is going to trade for him as a bench piece or he's going to a tanking team. And at that point, I he's think it's going to be too late. I think he's right. going to – the majority of his games should come off the bench uh, because I think that he's showing his most valuable spot is sixth man right now. I'm, I just don't like the price. I yeah. feel like 140 is a terrible price for a guy who might get traded. But we talked about it when we went through the offseason award show. The history of this award, you need to be on a good team. Like the sixth man of the year winners were all on playoff teams, if not top three teams in, in the conference. We went yeah. through this. The Lakers stink. Like I, I don't believe they're going to give Westbrook a sixth man of the year award because he put up good numbers while the team finished 30 games under 500. No offense, Delonte. I know you're late. Hey, <laughs> listen, it's all good, man. I, I, as, as much as I talk about these Lakers, I told you, I, I can't watch them. I literally, I can't, yeah. I can't watch them. But I, I, I just think the price is terrible. And I mentioned Westbrook maybe initially as a six-man sleeper when it just started because it was like 50 to one or some crazy price, and I thought it would drop naturally. But around even money for a guy who's putting up basically meaningless stats because the team stinks, I just don't believe it's going to go well. I think that he had a good chance of winning maybe like comeback player of the year or something. But, yeah. I mean, for sixth man, you tend to have to have meaningful minutes for good teams and Westbrook doesn't have that. Now, the argument is if he gets traded to a good team, then maybe you know that kind of resolves the issue I just mentioned. I'm not sure how much it does because the team that probably trades for them that wants that extra bench piece was still a playoff team without him. So I'm not yeah. sure how much true impact he's actually having. 
I like Matherin if I had to pick one guy, but I'm just acknowledging they won't give a rookie two awards on NBA award night. That's just not going to happen. Do you see a world where Boston does finish winning 60 plus games that Joe Mazzula gets coach of the year and Malcolm Brogdon gets six man of the year? I think that's very, very tricky. But the point is, if there was an exception to be made, it's the team with the best record. It's it's the same reason why you're looking at Monty Williams winning coach of the year last year and Mikel Bridges was like a finalist for defensive player. It's happened before. You just need to have a truly elite. We're clearly better than every other team in the league. You have to give us multiple awards. The thing is, the Lakers obviously will not be that. So the the Pacers will not be that. So I think that's the exception. You need to have a holy crap. This team won like sixty five games. Yeah. Type of season. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I just think the price on Russ is just is just too. Oh, short. it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. just I mean, too short. Like I, I don't I don't disagree with him being favored, but I mean like even money. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, I and he'll, we got, he'll, re- he'll meet the game's requirements. So to answer your question, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the issue. The issue is he's having a lot of his big games on a really crappy team. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else you guys want to mention for futures before we get into the Tuesday night schedule? Uh, look at um, New Orleans to win the division. I think they're like right at two to one. Uh, I yeah, like, I like, picked them at the beginning of the season same, to win same, the division at around most. I think like four to one. They're tied with Memphis right now, and they're two to one. I mean, I think that's ridiculous, and they haven't even played a good stretch where they've got all the guys like it's been guys in and out of Atlanta. I mean, now we expect that with Zion, but like I said, I think it's more value on them without Zion simply because I don't think the market just realizes how good they were at the end of that season going into the playoffs, like how they were competitive. So, I mean, not saying they don't need him per se, but they're more than able, you know, being able to compete and win without, I mean, so yeah, and Zion's playing. I mean, they're missing McCollum. They're missing Ingram. They won yesterday anyway. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, but, I mean, Memphis is missing Bain. They, yeah. Jaws missed some games too. So if you mm-hmm. want to talk about the injury argument, Memphis is, hasn't exactly had a clean bill of health either. Yeah, and my, my, uh, my counter to that would be I think Memphis is going to be looking to – they don't really care about the division. They're just as they're going to be a top four or five seed. So I think they'll be more – like prone to resting some of those guys at the end of the season, just making sure they're going into going into a playoff run more healthy. And I think the Pelicans like going to take pride in winning that division and being able to get as a higher seed. But I don't disagree with you at all, though. All right. Uh, before we get into the Tuesday night games here, let me tell you guys about our presenting sponsor. That's WinBet. And if you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado. Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Looking to get involved in a same-game parlay? WinBet is your home with their WinBet Build Your Own Bet, letting you customize the bet you want to make. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. WinBet has, has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, Bet 100 and get a $100 free play. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you're somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. 
All right, guys, let's get into this three-game schedule here on Tuesday night with the first game on the board. It's going to be the New York Knicks in the Motor City to take on the Detroit Pistons. Um, this number opened up minus three and a half in favor of the New York Knicks. That number has been bet up to minus five. Starting to see some minus four and a halves pop up as well. Uh, total opened up at 224 and a half in this game. That number is up to 226 and a half. Currently over on win bet. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams here. Uh, let's start here with the road team, the New York Knicks. Pretty clean injury report. Only questionable tag for the Knicks is going to be Emmanuel Quickly, who is officially questionable with right knee soreness. For the Detroit Pistons, a couple more questionable tags. Mav- Marvin Bagley, I'm sorry, is questionable uh, with an illness. Uh Boyan Bogdanovich also questionable with some right knee and ankle soreness. And Jaden Ivey also questionable here tonight with right knee soreness. Uh, Isaiah Stewart is going to be playing. He's back tonight for the Detroit Pistons. Gives them a little depth up front um, against this New York Knicks team. But Scott, let me start with you on this game with the New York Knicks as a five-point road favorite here in the Motor City. So... I feel like this would naturally be a spot where the Knicks just show up because they've been terrible. But Detroit's been a bit feisty lately. Uh, they have, they did. I'll, talk, I'll put it this way: they split their last four games. It's a yeah. massive step in the right direction, <laughs> going 500 in a four-game stretch. But I mean, the Knicks have done well against this team. They've played twice. Uh, the Knicks have won each of the first two meetings by at least nine points. You've had a bunch of points in this in this uh, series. Each game has had at least uh, 233. So first glance, I like the over because it's at 226 and a half. Both teams don't guard anybody. And the Knicks defensively have been a mess lately. You're looking at these scores. Uh, They beat the Thunder, but that game landed 248. That game against Portland went to overtime, but the game flew over in regulation anyway. That game landed 261. They played Memphis. That game landed 250. I got to like the over basically in every Knicks game because they really don't guard anybody. Yeah. And I think that's going to translate once again because the first two meetings were so high scoring. I know Cade's still out, but that really hasn't mattered because the Knicks give up defense, give up 120 plus points to the Trailblazers with no Lillard, to the Grizzlies with no Bane. I like the over in this game. I know it's a high total, but I mean, can you make a case for the under or just you're just praying Detroit bricks too many shots because the Knicks give up wide open shots every possession? Yeah, and New York Knicks are one of those teams, or, or sorry, are that team that gives up a lot of three-point makes as well. They're number 29 in the entire league as far as three-point shots allowed. So I'm hoping Bogdanovich is able to go. Obviously, that only helps them uh, getting a scoring boost or either Jaden Ivey's able to go. But they have guys that can still knock you down even without him. I know we're talking about Alec Burks here, but he he's a guy that can fill up the basket. Shockingly, Killian Hayes over the last two games without Jaden Ivey and Bogdanovich has looked pretty decent for this Pistons team. Um, so you, like you mentioned there, Scott, this team is feisty. And this also may be a look-ahead spot for the New York Knicks tomorrow. Uh, they do have the Milwaukee Bucks coming to town. Uh, Can you have Mas- a look-ahead spot when you're like four games on? It's the Knicks. Does that exist? It's the Knicks. It's the Knicks. I know they might be, but um, I, I like Detroit here. I know you mentioned that. Uh, New York won both of the first two games, at least by nine points here. But I, I think this is a good spot here for Detroit at home. Um, they got Isaiah Stewart back, like I mentioned. Hopefully one of Jaden Ivey and Bogdanovich is able to go here tonight. 
Um, I, I like the spot here for the Knicks. I'm oh, sorry for the Pistons. I do agree about the over, what you mentioned here. Uh, I didn't get my thoughts on that, by the way. I'm leaning, I'm leaning Detroit too, but I feel okay. better about the over. Yeah. Uh, Delonte, what do you got for this game as far as side and total? Uh, as far as the, the side was, um, like I really can make cases for both sides. So usually when I'm, I can't make a favorable case. I just stay off it. Um, but Detroit, like you guys are saying, has been playing better. Uh, six, one, and three last 10 ATS. Uh, five, three, and one ATS at home. Um, it's just that I don't know if I don't know if they'll be able to like score. Like I don't know how they're gonna score. They the 29th in effective field goal percentage, 25th in rim percentage. So they can't shoot. They can't finish. I mean, so how how are they gonna score? Which goes to both of you guys over. And um, the Knicks, they they aren't like good at scoring either. 26th in effective field goal percentage, 30th in effective three-point percentage. I mean, they just – I don't know. Like, I, I have, like, so many back-and-forth arguments to go with either team. Uh, last meeting uh, went under by one point. I think it closed 224, 224 and a half, and it landed 223. I thought um, the second meeting landed in the 230s. Did it? it that that might have been the first meeting that I'm looking, I'm looking at. First they meeting at, was 236. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe, maybe I looked at it wrong. Maybe I wrote that down wrong. Uh, so which meeting was it that – was oh, okay okay no no I, I wrote the numbers wrong okay that's got I got you I got you appreciate that and um the Knicks the only reason why I didn't want to go uh under with you guys the last five games the Knicks are allowing 123 points per game now granted I don't know if Detroit can score 123 points in in a game and a half but I mean that's just a cause for concern for me so for that, I stayed off. Total, I would lean with you guys to the under, but I just wouldn't play it. You uh, mean the over? We're on the over. over. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I just wouldn't play it. I just don't have enough conviction to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping one of Bogdanovich and, and or like I said, or Ivy are able to go in this game to give him a little more scoring punch here tonight. But, I, I again, I defensively, you said the numbers there, Delonte. I, I'm not a very confident in this Knicks team as far as defense goes. And, and again, they also give up the three-point shot as well. I know Detroit doesn't shoot it very well, but I think that when you're giving up open looks, at some point they are going to fall for you for the Pistons. So, okay. um, yeah, I'm going Pistons and the over here. Uh, any player props you guys may be looking at here? I know not a lot out for the Pistons because they were still waiting for the injury report. But, Scott, any player props you may be looking at? Uh, I was contemplating maybe Randall double-double, but I'm not sure if I actually like it. I'd probably just look for Brunson points. He's been okay. very good lately. I mean, the yeah. team can't stop anybody, so they don't win many games. But Brunson has looked so far like a pretty solid acquisition, and mm -hmm. it seems like he's very comfortable with the current offense. Uh, I still don't like the offense Thibodeau runs. It's a lot of isolation, but luckily for us, Brunson's running the isolation a lot of the time. So I'll go with Brunson points. Uh, you mentioned how Ivy might not play, but Detroit's backcourt defensively, they try Killian Hayes, who can be a little bit active. I don't know if he's actually a great defensive player or not, but yeah. I think Brunson should have a good game here. I don't mind him over for points. I think he could go for a very sneaky like 28-8 and eight type game. So I like him on the over in points. Uh, Delonte, any player props you may like in this game? Um, I'm looking at R.J. Barrett uh, over his points, um, especially if uh, – you said Stewart was in, right, but Bagley is questionable and Bogdanovich yeah. is questionable. Yeah. yeah. I, I like R.J. Barrett um, over – he's he's hit like 19 – he's averaging 19.2 points per game uh, last five. The last meeting he had 35 and five. So I think he has a decent advantage um, with, you know, being able to get to the rim. His shot has been – 
on and off, like inconsistent. But I think against this Detroit defense, who is 29th in defensive rating, uh, I think he can pick his spots and, you know, he might have a 25, 26 point game. All right. Uh, yeah, no argument for me on either of those there. Um, all right, let's get the, over. I have the numbers, by the way. Uh, yeah, if go you ahead. Want them. Brunson's yeah. a twenty. Brunson's a twenty-two and a half. Uh, over right. is at minus one twenty-five, so I like that one. And Barrett is at twenty and a half at minus one ten on the over. Yeah, I, I, I'll put I'll put a couple units on that. Definitely, definitely. All right, next game of the night, probably the game of the night between uh, these three games with a small sample here, but it's going to be uh, the Golden State Warriors in Dallas to take on the Luka-led Mavericks. Uh, looking at the lines for this game, the opening number uh, was a pick em, and That number has been bet up in favor of the Golden State Warriors, currently sitting at minus one and a half um, for the road team here. Total opened up at 225 and a half. That number has now been bet up to 228. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, pretty clean for the Golden State Warriors. Everybody is a go. Uh, Andre Iguodala is the only one listed on the injury report, but he's been out all season. For the Dallas Mavericks, same story. Everybody is a go. Uh, nobody is on the injury report here. A case of revenge here, possibly for the Dallas Mavericks after they lost to the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference here. Uh, Delonte, let me start with you on this game. Golden State Warriors are minus one and a half on the road here in Dallas to take on the Mavericks. What do you like about this game? Well, uh, Golden State has been playing better offensively um, in the past. Uh, they're averaging 120 plus in uh, four of the last five, but defensively they still have the same problems. Uh, they allowed 110 plus in four of the last five games. So, my question, or the question that I have, is like, how are they going to slow down Luca if they can't slow down anybody that they like? They couldn't slow down Houston. They couldn't slow down. Uh, who is who did they play uh, a few nights ago? I forgot that put up maybe like 120 on them. Um, was I don't have the schedule set again? I they played Utah, Utah, put yeah, up Utah, 20, Utah, yeah. And so, like, if, if they can't stay in front of those guys, like, I don't know how they're going to stay in front of Luca, but you know, it's a big game. Maybe they overlook those, you know, opponents. Uh, it's one of the only games on T, it's on TNT tonight. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they get up for it, but. I just can't. I I can't back either side. Dallas is one nine and one, or one and nine ATS in the last ten. So they've been money burners. Like four thirteen and one ATS as a whole. Um, they do run a slower pace, so I'm leaning to the over. But that kind of worries me pace wise because you know Golden State likes to get up and down the court, but Jason Kidd likes to run the half court sets. He likes Luca to have the ball in his hands. Going to run the shot clock down. They're going to take some you know, more efficient shots than just checking the ball up like Golden State does. But um, if I had to make a play, I would play the over. Uh, Golden State's not stopping anybody. Uh, Dallas, they're not stopping anybody either. Uh, And Golden State has been, you know, on fire uh, for the last five, playing better offensively. Um, If Poole has, like, any resemblance of, you know, his former self, like like Scott was saying earlier, he hasn't been playing well. I think this can sky over, uh, to be honest. So yeah, that I mean, would be my favorite play, would be the over. Both of these teams, uh, like you mentioned, like to chunk up the three-point shot here. Um, I'm trying to pull up uh, the numbers here. So Golden State, number one as far as makes per game. Uh, they're at about 16.4. Dallas, 
number six in the entire league, around, around 14 per game. Um, and they also like to chuck it up, like I mentioned, Golden State number one as far as attempts per game, and Dallas is number five. Uh, I'll have to double-check that because I feel like Boston chucks up a lot more than Golden State. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, again, I think that if the three-point shot is falling here tonight, it, it, that this should sell over uh, in the game here tonight. Um, Scott, let's start with the side here, and then if you all want to chime in on the total here as well, what do you got for this game? So the side is easily the trappiest side or line of the entire card because Golden State's been playing well lately. Dallas has fallen off a cliff, and yet the spread's only one and a half. I really don't like this Dallas team. And during the offseason, I was on their win total under. I just thought that this team had no help for Luka. And you look at the overall roster, they really don't have any help for Luka. Dinwiddie mm. has some moments on occasion. Christian Wood's been good. They don't play him enough for whatever reason. I'm not sure why his minutes are so low. But Bullock's been awful. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s been terrible. Another guy off injury who struggled since he came back. Uh, Kleber's usually bad. Occasionally has decent games, but not that often. You can really go down the line. They really don't have much talent. And I feel like Golden State is starting to kind of come together. Defensively, still not great. Don't get me wrong. But when Clay yeah. starts hitting three-pointers, that helps mask a lot of the issues you have. Because Curry's Curry. He's having an insane year. Thompson's back in form. Draymond looked really good against Minnesota. And I think that he's kind of raised his game up a little bit, which has kind of been under just stated. Uh, Wiggins has been good lately. I think I'm going to go Golden State. I know it's very trappy, and Dallas is good at home. Their last home game, they did lose to a Denver team missing Jokic and missing uh, Murray, and they lost the game anyway. They just can't score because every possession is just Luka, Iso, dribble, and they, they don't do anything. Like they, they don't have any actual backup plans if Luka has an off-shooting night. So if Luka's going to need 40 to keep this game close, we saw this against Boston. He had 42 points. They still lost by double digits because they couldn't stop the other team. I'm taking Golden State, even though Dallas is good at home. And if you want to go contrarian, you should take Dallas. But from what I've seen the last week and change, Dallas just isn't a very good basketball team. And Golden State seems to be finding its way. So I'll go with Golden State. Yeah, I mean, you're right. This line does seem trappy here. Um Again, it's just going to be predicated on me that if Dallas wins this game, that they had made more three-point shots in this game than did of Golden State. Because like you mentioned, there's nothing offensively outside of Luka, a guy that can create his own shot. Dinwiddie, yes, but when you had Jalen Brunson, that gave you a second guy off the bench where a guy that can go out and create his own shot, obviously no longer on the team here. But I feel like this might be a game where Dallas may want to start Christian Wood and play some heavy minutes because he could take advantage inside um, if they're going to want to run that freaking role. But what are they waiting bit, for? He's like their second best player. Like yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't get it either. So that 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 pick and roll could be deadly with Luca and uh, Christian Wood. But um, yeah, I mean, I got to go with Golden State here as well, despite them not stopping anyone. Uh, they're still the offense is looking like the offense that we're used to seeing from this Golden State Warriors team. And Delonte, like you mentioned there, but they put up 120 plus points in what, four of their last five games. Yeah. And yeah. the last game, Dallas against the Milwaukee Bucks, they gave up 17 uh, makes to that team. And Grayson Allen, Ted Cruz Jr. there went seven of eight. He started seven of seven uh, in that game against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So again, if Clay's getting those open shots and he's knocking them down, 
Andrew Wiggins, another guy that can knock you down. If Jordan Poole can step up here tonight as well, this might be a long night for the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm going to go with Golden State here as well, uh, leaning towards the over in this game here as well. If not, a Golden State Warriors team total uh, over may be a play uh, worth a look as well. Um, Dante, any player props you may be looking at in this game? Uh, honestly, if we talked about the Dallas side, um, do, do we have anything for Reggie Bullock? I, I, when I looked um, earlier this morning, I didn't see any. Um, I was looking uh, at his points. Let me see. Oh, uh, let me see. Reason- I, I see five and a half. Yeah, give me over. I want, is it plus money? Uh, it's minus 125. Look, if I can find a alternate line for Reggie Bullock to score like double figures, like not like if I can find a nine and a half, ten, I'll play that simply because Golden State's not defending it at all. And with all these heavy ISOs, with Luke, people watching, they're going to lose track of, of Bullock. Like he's getting the he's getting the looks, he's just not making them. Yeah. And you know, like they'll they'll eventually fall. Like he's gonna get some open looks. Him and Finney Smith. I mean, they they're inconsistent, but they're mostly there. You know, to stand in the corner, to play defense, and to get the ball to Luca whenever they get the rebound or if they get the rebound. So bull ten plus points is plus four ninety. Let me get that. That's that's gonna be just just spoiler alert. That's gonna be my dog. Okay. <laughs> that's that's gonna be my dog. But uh, I mean, I think he'll get. I think he'll get. A lot of looks. I mean, and all all we need is a few threes. Uh, yeah. He'll get to the he'll get to the line. He's an excellent foul shooter. And if they uh, re- recently, I've seen that they've been going with him shooting the ticks. You know, so that's always in effect when Draymond's playing. Um, so I think we I think he can get to to ten uh, plus tonight. So that that'll be on my dog. Uh, look for Christian Wood points and rebounds prop. Uh, he's twenty plus points in four of the last five games. Uh, rebounding edge is going to go to him. Um, whenever they go small with uh, with Draymond and with Draymond at the five, so uh, if he gets the minutes, if Jason Kidd's smart enough to give him the minutes, then I like that uh, over as well. So those are two I'll be looking at. By the way, for the record, Bullock has scored at least twelve points in each of the last two regular season games against Golden State. You yeah. might as well jump on with me, Scott. You sounding you sounding like you want to. Uh, I'm actually looking at an alternative. I was hoping I could find Bullock four plus three pointers. Yeah. Unfortunately, okay. that doesn't exist because okay. I figured he'd only be shooting yeah. threes. Yeah. I don't even see three plus. They just don't have any three point numbers for Bullock, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but I thought I about that alternative, maybe. Even at one and a half, Scott, at plus one ten, man, I think. Oh, I, that, that's plus that money for him to hit two threes. Yeah, it's plus oh, yeah. one ten. Oh yeah, we, I'm put that. In, I'll put that in Discord. I mean, I kind of have to like that because just the volume alone. I mean, I know he struggled this year, but if you're going to leave him open and he's going to attempt it at least even like four, right? I mean, he just needs one decent game where he makes two. I mean, that's a solid deal. It's, it's a yeah. big, it's a big game for them. I mean, like like you said, like revenge. Like, well, quote, I don't know how some people take revenge, but you know, like they're going to want to play well. They haven't been playing well at home, like two eight and one ATS at home, so they haven't been good at home. And just looking at the numbers, Bullock has attempted at least four three-pointers in, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, in seven of the last eight games. So the volume's there for him to get hot at least for two shots and go over plus money. And look at the defenders that are probably going to be guarded. So we all know that Clay, Dre, and Wiggins are going to take turns on Luka. So he's probably going to draw stiff. And, you know, if Poole comes in, probably draw Poole. He'll usually get the worst defender. So I mean, you know, it's he can. He's gonna stand up. in the corner. You just hope Luca yeah. pass him the ball. Yeah. yeah. Even in the playoffs last season, uh, five games that that series went five games. Reggie Bullock hit uh, at least two and four out of the five games, and then he had uh, two games where he had uh, six uh, three point shots, and the other one he hit three. So, 
And he, and he put up um, 10 attempts in three out of the five games and seven or more in four out of the five games. So, again, if he's getting the looks here tonight and if he's able to put up the attempts, um, I think that he should be able to get over this number. Hopefully we can find um, a alternative three-point shot on his as we get closer to game time. Yeah, I only uh, found the him. points. So yeah. 10 plus is the best price right now at plus 490 if you yeah. want to go for an alternative. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. For uh, anything else for this game, guys? Uh, another thing I wanted to point out was that uh, Scott was saying about how Jordan Poole hasn't been good. And usually the lineup of Steph Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, and Poole usually is one of the most effective lineups that Golden State puts out. But um, like lately in the past, uh, well, this season uh, as a whole, the, the uh, best lineup that Golden State has is their starting lineup. Is Steph, yeah. Draymond, Clay, Looney, and Wiggins. They're third in points per uh, 100 possessions. Uh, first in effective field goal percentage, and it drops off. I mean, obviously, it drops off drastically whenever Poole is inserted into the lineup with those starters for Looney. So, just something to point out if you want to take advantage of some in play opportunities when Poole comes in, uh, you might want to, you know, play some Dallas. And when he goes out, you might want to go back on, you know, just trade off. Yeah. If you like doing stuff like that. Yeah. Poole is still finding his way here. Um, he secured the bag, but other than that, you know, he had, he's got off to a slow start for the uh, Golden State Warriors here. All right, guys, let's get over to the last game of the night. It's going to be the uh, LA Clippers in Portland to take on the trail Blazers. Currently seeing the Blazers are a minus three and a half point favorite here. That number opened up at minus two. Uh, total opened up at 217, but that number has plummeted all the way down to 211 and a half. Currently over on wind bed. Uh, significant injury report here, obviously, for the LA Clippers, as usual. Luke Kennard, Kawhi Leonard, John Wall, Paul George, uh, all of those guys are out tonight uh, for the Clippers. And then for the Portland Trail Blazers, uh, Damian Lillard continues to be out, and Keon Johnson is also out here tonight for the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, Scott, let me start with you on this game. The Portland Trail Blazers are a minus three and a half point home favorite hosting the LA Clippers. So for this one, I think I'm going to go with the Clippers. Uh, Portland, I know they ended up beating the Knicks in overtime. They had the basically 80 combined points between Simons and Grant. They've not been good lately. And the Clippers are still missing, of course, Kawhi and Paul George indefinitely. They've been winning games, though. And I think that Portland being favored when they're having a hard time even winning games right now, I think Mm -hmm. is a little bit absurd. I get the argument. You know, Clippers are missing players, but I do think with Zubak uh, against Nurkic, good matchup on the inside. I don't think Zubak's going to go for 31-29 and again, but I think he'll do a good job on the glass. I just like the overall depth for the Clippers. And Portland, I'm just not really feeling it. They're better than I thought they were going to be. But I feel like a lot of the current lines that they're getting are based on how well they played in the first couple weeks of the season. Recently, they've really been struggling. And I think the Clippers are feisty. They're well-coached. They have depth. And if Portland gets one or two guys in foul trouble, they really don't have any backup options. I'm going to take the Clippers. I think they got a decent shot to win the game. All right. Uh, Delonte, uh, thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I'm in line with Scott uh, here. I mean, most of the like the metrics, it's hard to kind of dissect the metrics for both of these teams because, you know, for one, the Clippers, they haven't been playing with their full allotment of players that people in and out of lineup, same with Portland. Uh, but both teams do play defense still with or without their players. So I would, even though, you know, it's kind of steamed down a little bit, I still would lean under, probably would look at a first half under also. 
Um, and if you if you can find something for Nurkic, I don't even know if they offer. Do they offer foul props? No, no. I wish, I they, wish they did. did. Listen, <laughs> man, Nurkic is like I think he's going to get in foul trouble with uh, Zubac because Zubac plays extremely, extremely hard. Like he plays extremely hard, and Nurkic has four plus fouls in four of the last five games. So without Nurkic, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna be able to contain Zubac? It sounds yeah, like you I just would, want to take the under on Nurkic stuff because you think yeah, I, I, pro- I probably would want to take want to take the uh, the under, and the only thing that scares me off is maybe like he gets the best of Zubak and you know they just he doesn't foul he doesn't foul him a lot because that's the only thing that would like keep me off of it if he's not in foul trouble if he's in foul trouble he's definitely going to go under but it's kind of hard to gauge you know of course fouling but I mean he's just a constant like hacker like he's gonna hack you and uh if he gets in foul trouble they got no rim protection so that's gonna lead to you know more baskets for Powell and uh Terrence Mann Reggie Jackson Morris so I'm with you Scott I'm leaning to uh I'm leaning to the Clippers uh the six and four last 10 ATS uh second in defensive rating uh, another thing that goes to the under the 20th in pace and uh, Portland's 25th in pace so you know it's I'm leaning to the under. I would stay off of the side, but if you're gonna, you know, if you want to make a play in the game, I would just play the Clippers on the money line. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys aligned on the Clippers here. Um, Portland right now, I know like they've been feisty and they've been trying to stay competitive, but I feel like teams are starting to catch up to what they're trying to do here. There's some regression here, maybe for the Clip. Uh, sorry, for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Um, and like you mentioned, I think this. Early in the season, I think it still is a coaching mismatch, despite how well Chauncey Billups has coached his team so far this season. Um, and they've lost, what, four out of their last five games or five out of the last six games have mm-hmm. the Portland Trailblazers. And you the know, one game they think- won, they had Simons and Grant both go nuclear at the same time. Yeah, and that was the overtime game against the Knicks, right? So Yeah. Yeah. I think at least for uh, uh, tonight, I think they get the victory tomorrow night against the Lakers. Uh, but the surprise, surprise against the Clippers here tonight. Uh, I, I, I like, even though a lot of their guys are out, I still think there's enough to compensate for the Clippers uh, to have a, a good game here tonight, whether it's Reggie Jackson, whether it's Norman Powell, maybe as a revenge spot. I don't know if you can call it that here. Uh, but I, I still like the depth here for the Clippers. And we talked a lot about that at the beginning of the season, that even without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that the depth for this uh, Clippers team is it, it's it's probably the deepest roster in the entire league. Now, you know, they're still missing John Wall in this game. He's been ruled out for the injury management. But again, even without those guys, I think there's enough here for the Clippers to take care of business. And I think it's more uh, for me that agree with what Delonte, you said there, that is an under game here. I think defensively, uh, we'll see a tight, uh, tight, tight game here uh, between these two teams. Any player props? I know you mentioned uh, Nurkic there, uh, Delonte, but anything else as far as player player props you're looking at in this game? Uh, yeah, not not much because I mean you never know what you're gonna get from the Clippers from like where you're gonna get it from. Like Zubac could turn into Shaq, Reggie Jackson could turn into Michael Jordan. I mean you just never know where it's gonna come from. Uh, yeah. As the Blazers, I mean. Everything starts and ends with Simons. I would look for Simons three point props. Uh, Scott actually put me onto this a couple of shows ago, uh, so I've been playing it pretty much every time he's played because he's going to get up the volume, and I mean, yeah. he's at home, so he's going to feel comfortable in making them. Uh, I'll even look at some alternate uh, three point props for him, uh, maybe some Jeremy Grant props if uh, if they're low enough. But I mean, the way he's been playing is probably 
north of 25, I'm assuming. Uh, points prop for Jeremy Grant tonight is, let's see here. Jeremy Grant is at 21 and a half. Oh, that, that's, I, I might lean, is it, is it juiced or? No, it's minus 110. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look at that. I, I like that. And Simons is uh, two and a half threes? Uh, four and a half. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's at plus 130. I, I was looking at that this morning. If it was at three and a half, I would have taken the over, but I think these books have adjusted. Four, and a, half. four and a half now. She, he's, he ain't Steph Curry. I mean, no, it's, it's going to be a lot less when Lillard actually plays, but they yeah. overinflate it when Lillard's out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, any player props in this game you're looking at? Uh, the grand points, I don't mind. Uh, he's had at least 29 in each of the last two games. He's played 40 minutes on the dot in each of the last two games. And he's attempted at least 20 shots in each of the last two games. Uh, casual 28 free throw attempts in that Knicks game. Had two free throw attempts against the Nets the game after. But he's had 29 in each of the last two. And you're really looking at the starting lineup for Portland. They really just don't have many guys who can give you a bucket. They're using Justice Winslow. We know offensively he's not the most talented guy on the planet. Uh, Josh Hart, same way. He's more of a role player, doesn't shoot that much. I think the volume would be there for Grant. And with Paul George being out, I know Kawhi has barely played, but the point is the wing defenders for the Clippers are a bit few and far between because they're missing their two best defensive players. Now, Terrence Mann's a decent defensive guy. He's not the same caliber as the two we just mentioned. So I'd probably look for Grant over. The number seems a little bit low for a team that's really desperate to get him to score a bunch of points. Yeah, I think yeah, worth, if you're looking at three-point props here, Delonte, maybe Jeremy Grant is the way to go here tonight. He's at two and a half at even money, but you take a look at his game log over the last five games. Uh, he's shooting at 50% from uh, three-point land, and he's knocked down at least three in four of the five. Sorry, yeah, four of the last five games, he's knocked down four or more in three out of the last five games, and he's getting the up te- attempts up as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, guys, anything else for this game? And do it. No. All right. Let's get over to our lock and dog to close out uh, this episode for the Tuesday games. Delonte, I'll let you lead it off here, my man. What's your lock and dog for tonight? Uh, lock is going to be the RJ Barrett prop. Um, you said it was 19 and a half, right? Uh, 20 and a half. 20 and a half. I'm sorry. Yeah. 20 and a half. I like it. I like his matchup. Uh, he's going to, he's going to be feel real comfortable um, against that bad Detroit defense. The only thing that scares me off of it is if the Knicks blow him out. But, I mean, the Knicks are the Knicks. I'm not sure if they are capable of blowing somebody out on the road. Um, so, I like that a lot. Uh, I think he's going to he's gonna get into a good rhythm. He's going to go to the line a lot because he's going to be attacking without Bagley, especially if Bagley doesn't play. Um, and Stewart's coming back. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be as effective as he was before the injury, Not at least not right away. Um, so, I'll go with uh, R.J. Barrett over 20.5 for the lock. Dog-wise, we're going to go with Reggie Bullock, man. I might put a same-game parlay for Reggie Bullock. That's how much I like him tonight. Uh, the one-and-a-half plus uh, one-and-a-half threes made plus money, I like that. I like him to score double digits. Um, so if you can find anything over, I guess, what is it, like nine-and-a-half, mm-hmm. I would play that. Uh, if you you know want to, I guess, you know not be as high as I am on him, if you want to take you know his regular – uh, prop. I'm pretty sure you can get plus money. What was the uh, five and a half over plus? Was it plus money? First points. Yeah. For um, Bullock, it was minus one twenty-five. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you, just take the, the, you get the two three pointers at plus one ten. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, we'll, we'll take we'll we'll officially uh, put it in uh, record books for the one and a half plus threes. All right. Since that's widely available. 
All right, so lock RJ Barrett over on his points, which is currently at 20 and a half. And then your dog, you're going with uh, Reggie Bullock over one and a half, three point shots made at plus 110. Yes, sir. All right, uh, Scott, what do you got for your lock and dog? So I'm going to go to a player prop in this one. I thought about Golden State, but the line's a little bit too trappy for me to take as a lock, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go back to that Knicks game, and I will take Jalen Brunson over 22 and a half points at minus 125. He's been great the last couple of games and to go through the numbers he's had at least 27 points in each of the last four games he's had at least 30 points in each of the last three games and he's attempted at least 19 shots in each of the last four games so the volumes there he's clearly the main focal point of the offense 22 and a half I just think is very low and I think you're looking at a guy who even against Detroit has had at least 24 points in two of the last three meetings but 22 and a half for a guy that's walking into 30 uh, pretty much the last week and a half. That line's too short for me. Detroit's backcourt also might be a bit shorthanded. I like the spot for Brunson. And the total's very high. So you're expecting New York to score a decent amount of points. I'll go with Brunson over 22 and a half points. All right. And what do you got for your dog for tonight? Uh, for my dog, I thought about taking the Bullock prop as well. But instead, I'm just going to go with the straight up money line on the Clippers here at around plus 145. I think this game's basically a coin flip, so yeah. I'll go with the plus money. Portland's not that great right now. The Clippers have found a way. I'll go with the Clippers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my log, I will go with the Pistons plus the five. Yeah. Piston plus the five. Um, just hoping that one of Ivy or Bogdanovich is in the game. Um, and even if Bagley's able to go here tonight, um, I, I, I don't know. I think this Knicks team shouldn't be laying five points right now on the road. Um, Pistons have been feisty. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I think this is a good spot for them at home. No look ahead for them. Uh, just come out and you know play play basketball. Hopefully, you know, like I mentioned, Bogdanovich or Ivy is able to go here tonight. But even if they're not, I still think there's enough talent on this team where Knicks probably play down to the competition here. Um, Again, like I mentioned, possibly looking ahead to tomorrow against the Milwaukee Bucks in their building. So uh, maybe a fade spot for the Knicks tomorrow, but I, maybe the Knicks do win the game, but maybe it's by a possession here. But I like the Pistons here. Plus the five um, as my lock. For my dog, I'm aligned with you there, Scott. The Clippers on the money line here, plus 140, plus three and a half on the spread as well. Um, despite not having their top guys, again, Portland right now is in a little bit of shambles here without Damian Lillard on the floor. Um, I think defensively, We'll see a, a grinded out game here where Clippers maybe win this game, you know, 102 to 100, something in that realm of possibility here. Um, so at plus 140, I'll take the Clippers here with you as well as my dog for the Tuesday night schedule here in the NBA. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast for the Tuesday games. Uh, three game schedule, but we also discussed some futures at volumes. Uh, uh, on this episode, I think it was a great time to uh, sneak that in there. But uh, Scott, anything else you want to get off your chest, my man, before we get out of here? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, just looking forward to going through the card uh, for the rest of the week as well. Uh, NBA so far been a bit inconsistent, not going to lie, but a lot of yeah. good games, a lot of just entertaining just content in general. Looking forward to that. Also got a couple of NFL episodes coming out this week. Uh, so st- looking forward to that as well. And besides that, you can find me on Rice Show Radio at Twitter. Delonte, anything else, my man? Nothing else, man. Good luck to everybody. Uh, we'll try to keep it going. Uh, get some get some winners out. Uh, appreciate you having me again. Of course. Uh, yeah, make sure to follow uh, our 
Twitter account at SGPN NBA. It's going to be a lot more active. We've got a uh, social guy now. Shout out to Nick. He's going to be uh, handling our social media account uh, for the NBA Gambling Podcast. So do us a favor. Make sure to follow us at SGPN NBA. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Believe Scott and Terrell will be back tomorrow for the Wednesday game. So look out for that. Again, like we, like I said, we'll be here all throughout the week uh, for the NBA. So hopefully we can put some more winners in your guys' pockets here tonight. Good luck with your bets tonight, guys. Let's break these books off and let it ride.